Thursday, Daily Board Game Man, with this week's Top 5 Express Board Games Edition. Each episode, I'm going to give you a topic for the list and give you my pick for the top five of those games. Welcome to 2022. As always, it's time for the best of 2021. I will run down my top five with a few honorable mentions, like every year that I love to give you just way too many games. I'm going to give you what the top 10 rated games of BGG were last year as well, after I give you my honorable mentions and my top five. So... Again, this is another broken record, just like last year's. 2021 uh, was just as hard, if not harder, to get in games than it was the year before. So the breadth of games that I played, even for me, uh, you know, many people, uh, even for me, was much different and much less played games than in years past. I didn't go to any conventions again last year, and I did I did manage one trip that I got into a, kind of a gaming retreat with uh, some friends of mine up in Detroit, uh, so I got to play a bunch of games that weekend. So things were a little bit better. I didn't have as many game days as always. So things are, are looking up, I think since, uh, this year, hopefully I may get to a convention or play some more game days, but again, this is going to be a little bit less, it's a little, a little harder than in years past, but, uh, but like last year's show, uh, so la- uh, just reviewing last year's show, that is uh, my number one game last year was, uh, lost ruins of Arnak. Uh, and sometimes even when I go back to look last year, I, I think, wow, what was I thinking even a year later uh, with one of the, with those games? But this is not one of those years. Arnak remains uh, my top game of 2020 in my mind. And I keep playing it a very, very large amount, even to this day. Uh, it, it helps that it's on BGA and Yukata, so I get a bunch of plays in online. But I still really enjoy that game. So, And with the expansion that's out now, I think I'm going to continue to enjoy that game for for a long time to come. So. Uh, and it, what's interesting about this year's top five, it's got a little something for everyone and, uh, it's got a little things missing that I'll, you know, I'll kind of note at the end as well, uh, of what's missing off of this year's list. But let me get into, uh, the list and then I'll get into also rands and I'll talk about the BGG top, uh, you know, according to the BGG rankings from last year, uh, what their number one games uh, are seen. So number five is Gorinto. This is the ultimate, uh, don't judge a book by its cover game. Sure. It is still abstract, but it is easy to learn and very easy to play. And it is an absolute great game. And it is a uh, very easily a family game there. Garinto uh, was by Grand Gamers Guild. This is for one to four players. Plays in about 30 to 60 minutes. I'd say it's more of a 60-minute game. It's a light to medium weight uh, abstract strategy game. But it's really just, just a light game. It looks absolutely amazing. Now, it'll kind of, it may turn you off at first glance if you're kind of more of the, uh, you know, want to see a lot of great things on it. Because it's just basically a grid. With different color tiles in it and such uh, with some writing on there. But what you're going to do, there's the five uh, Japanese uh, pagoda of the five elements. There's the earth, water, fire, air, and void. Uh, and then you're going to kind of pick one of the row of one of the kind of sides and you're going to use that element and that's going to determine uh, one of the tiles that you're going to pick up and then which other tiles of that, depending on the strength of your, because uh, you're going to power up each one of those elements yourself. And then depending on the strength of your, uh, how you're doing an element, that's how many other tiles you're going to get. And then they're all going to go, they're going to strengthen up. Then there's different ways of scoring depending on the, the, you know, which one's the highest or how many of your highest or the lowest and the, or the disparity of the different ones. There's a lot of different ways to score in the game and then which changes each game as well. Uh, so at the end of the game, you're going to uh, add up all the points for the different goals and go from there. But again, very easy, to, simple to learn and uh, probably difficult to master as well because uh, I'm not very good at this game. But I do really enjoy playing this one with my family. Uh, and there is actually a pretty cool solo mode, which is something I've really just come to love, especially during all this kind of quarantining and everything else. Uh, the solo modes are always really, really good. But Garinto, very solid game from Grand Gamers Guild at number five. Number four 
We get a little bit more uh, difficult here as a uh, kind of a medium weight Euro from Yellow Games and Headquarter Simulation Game Club is who designed this one. This is Korra Rise of an Empire. This is a really solid kind of Euro-ish game uh, where you have different, you have dice that you're going to roll and then depending on what the numbers on the dice, you kind of, when you pick the actions you're going to make, uh, depending on the how the disparity in the dice and the actions you take, you may have to pay certain resources or you know one of the resource tracks to be able to make up the difference in your citizens. Now you're going up to different tracks. You're trying to get uh, basically the strength or of combat strength, uh, which is really the key to the game is basically keeping your combat strength high because you want to really get into the combat tracks uh, and get these different discs or these chits that you can get from doing combat, and it's going to give you more points in the different tracks as well. Uh, and then help you with your income, and then help you with game end score. So a lot of different things going on there. And then you're, uh, there's also cards you're going to play into your tableau, which will give you different abilities. Uh, but really just kind of going up the uh, the tax, the glory, and uh, your your warrior's track, and, and, and the fact that there's variable player powers because you're going to get different uh, uh, different cities, uh, different societies and such where you've got uh, Argos, uh, and you've got so many different ones where you've got Spartans and such like that. So uh, since there's a lot of different of the societies that Miletus, uh, as well as another one. So you get a lot of different ones that you can play. So that's also very cool. I like the the fact that you can play the, the different societies or, or different uh, factions as well, which changes up the games quite a bit. So uh, Coral Rise of the Empire, real fun game. Uh, and I think it's only about $45 as well, but it plays about an hour, hour and a half. And again, this is kind of a medium weight Euro type game for two to four players. Absolutely love that one. That's number four, Cora. Number three, Sub Astral. This is from my good buddies Pinchback and Riddle, Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. This is from Renegade Game Studios. Another one of their uh, what they call "quote unquote" uh, overly mathy card games, but it's just a, kind of a, a running gag. This one is not hard to play at all. Another kind of lighter game for two to five players. This is a card game. Now, last year, if you remember, I had Stellar uh, was on the list, and that's a two-player card game. Uh, and this one actually manages to go even better than uh, Stellar. So, Sub Astral, such a great game. This is a light card game again for the whole family or even you know any weight of gamers 15 and 15 to 30 minute game really only about 20 to 30 minutes to be honest uh and it's just such a great game what what you do on your turn you have a hand of cards and then there's going to be a row of cards i think it's from i'm trying to remember if it's from one to five or one i think it's it's one to six now you're going to uh play a card uh out from your hand and depending on if it's uh, you know, the, you're going to either when you play the card into the tableau, you're either going to take a, 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 row, a row of cards from the left or the right of that. So, uh, you know, depending on if you go to the left then you're going to take those cards into your hand, if you go to the right, you're going to put those cards into your tableau, you know, pick one of those rows. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to be adding cards, uh, you know, to there. So you don't really want to set people up for too many cards to be able to get into their tableau because that's where all your scoring is, is in your tableau. So you're trying to go from left to right as you're adding things, the different uh, different uh, biomes, as you're adding different biomes, you're going to be kind of adding them to the same piles. And then there's different rarities. So when you have the, a complete set from left to right of all the uh, eight biomes, I believe it's the eight biomes, if you have a complete set, you're going to get a certain amount of cards, but you keep adding, uh, you keep scoring everything from left to right until there's a break. And if you have all of one of every card, but in the second row, second column, you have two of the first, two of the second, but nothing in the third. That's where that scoring stops right there for that particular biome. But you're going to score all of them, but you're trying to continue to have the longest am- the biome there so you can keep getting the good points. So really trying to jockey between being able to play the card from your hand because your card in your hand will have numbers from one to six on them. 
Uh, but you have to be able to get your card where you want it. You know, if you want that big juicy pile, but it's got to be to the right so you can put it in your tableau. But you always have to be kind of putting cards back in your hand. You can't be left without anything because then you're just going to lose because it's just you're not planning very well. But anyway, this is a, only about 20 to $25 for this card game. Very easy. I, I kind of muddle through how to explain it. But once you've got the cards in front of you and you're playing it, it'll take you not even five minutes to learn how to play. And then one game being only 15 minutes, you are immediately are going to want to shuffle up and deal right away because then it'll really click and make sense. But that's a great game for middle and pinch back sub Astro, my number three game of last year. My number two game came out kind of late in the year, but this is Seven Wonders Architects. Now I know it's pretty gauche to just keep going with the Seven Wonders. And I didn't, I didn't believe it myself that it was going to be any good, but this is Seven Wonders Architects by Antoine Bowser and Repost Productions. Uh, it is absolutely amazing how they take a game that's been out in a bunch of different iterations and it can make it even better than the initial game and even more accessible to all levels of gamers. This is very much my light, my, you know, all my picks are the light games are ones I really, really enjoyed. Uh, again, this one only plays, it only takes about 30 minutes. And then the good thing is it's available on BGA if you want to try it out too. But another light game, two to seven players, uh, any age can play this game. Absolutely great because you're basically just drafting a card, putting it in your tableau, and depending on if you're able to, uh, you know, to build one of your stages, your wonder, you may get a bonus as well. Or you, if you uh, get two of the same type of uh, uh, science card, then you can get one of the science chits. There's there's still kind of battle or combat in it if you do have uh, your your uh, your warrior strength as well. Uh, you know. It's got everything that Seven Wonders had, but it's even better and it's even easier to explain than the original Seven Wonders because there's not a lot of, you know, the symbols are there, but it's not crazy amount of symbols and things that happen like the original Seven Wonders. And even Seven Wonders Duel, which is great, still has a lot of symbolism and and it's just a little more hard to get into. But this is just absolutely amazing how easily it is to get into. I cannot stress enough how great this game is. Seven Wonders Architects, my number two game of last year. Uh, And if I had that many good things to say about Seven Wonders Architects, my game of the year last year was Sleeping Gods. This was a game from Ryan Lockett. Uh, I believe this was on Kickstarter a couple years ago. Uh, This is Red Raven Games' Ryan Lockett. Now, this is the exact opposite of almost every game because this game takes forever, but it's good because it's very kind of modular. You're going to play this in different sittings, you know, a certain amount of sittings that you're going to be at. You're not necessarily going to play it all at once because it has basically three ages and it's basically more of a campaign type feel. So you have three ages and each one of these ages is going to take you a bunch of hours. So it's really kind of designed to sit down and play for an hour or two and then kind of pack it up. And it's really easy to save your progress because it's it's easy to have different sheets that you can kind of write down everything. It's easy to keep everything together. Uh, again, this one is for one to four players. I've played this mostly by myself. I've played this with uh, other players as well. But it is a medium weight kind of storytelling kind of story-ish storybook game, uh, again, by Ryan Lockett. And uh, so this one... Now, what you are, you're the captain, uh, you're, you're you're part of the crew of the Manticore, which is kind of this big ship that went missing in 1929, and you're trying to uh, survive, and you're exploring these islands, the story's unfolding, you're going to meet other characters, but you've got a certain amount, I believe it's eight people on the, the Manticore, and everybody's got their own uh, strengths and weaknesses and other skills that you're going to use, very much like a lot of uh, Red Ravens, other type games, when you're talking about things like Islebound and Above and Below, you've got your crew of the Manticore. Then you're going to have different challenges that are going to go. So when you go to different parts of the, the storybook, which has, uh, I think, 12 or 13 pages, there's even an expansion where you've got dungeons and such that you can go into and explore. But you're going to different places, and then you're making decisions. It's kind of almost like a uh, choose-your-own-adventure type story game, uh, but but so very, very good. And there's different. There's combat. 
uh, which is very strategic in nature and how you kind of approach the combat. And then you're going to be getting different uh, abilities and uh, items that you're going to equip. And each time you're trying to find these different totems for the gods so that you can get yourself back home. I think you got to get like 14 totems and then you kind of can get to the, the next phase of the game to, uh, you know, again, more, more combat, more, more decisions, more uh, different, uh, just different quests to complete and, and different, uh, just different things to do. Uh, just exploration, just so much fun in this game. Uh, all the different adventures you can do. Uh, the story is just so much different every time I've played this game. Uh, again, it does take a while. The only bad thing that I can say, if, if everything's going to have a downside, but downside is this is a beast to get to the table and it does take a while. So some groups may not want to do something like that. I mean, they may have, they're full with things like Frosthaven or Gloom, you know, or Gloomhaven in the past or the other type campaign games. But uh, if you've got a place, you've got one of those game tables that you can kind of keep things set up or you do have a regular group that you can play this for an hour or two, or if you just have a weekend by yourself and you're just looking for a really cool adventure type game, Keep it set up, come back to it. That's how I did. I ended up playing it over about a week each time I played it. Uh, I just kind of keep going back to it. And then you just read the story. It's just so much fun to kind of just evolve. It almost plays like a long novel or or a book in your mind as you're playing it and and going uh, through the different adventures and passing different tests and stuff, skill checks. Uh, Man, so, so good. Uh, That is Sleeping Gods. Again, my game of the year for last year. So I've got a few. I'll go into uh, my also rans. Now these two, I kind of, uh, I kind of disqualified these two because they're kind of sequels, and I don't like to put expansions or sequels, uh, you know, direct ones. I guess Seven One is Architects, kind of a little different. It's not really a sequel. It's kind of you know a different type. But anyway, the Crew Mission Deep Sea and Micro Macro Crime City Full House are two kind of uh, whether you call them expansions or kind of the next generations. Uh, they're both great, great games. The Crew Mission Deep Sea being a, uh, a cooperative trick-taking game, which is excellent. And Micro Macro Crime City is one of the ultimate family games or, or group games. Uh, kind of have these big old map and you're just solving these different scenarios or different crimes or different different scenarios through just by looking at this kind of um, Where's Waldo type map. Just absolutely amazing. A game that I'm pretty sure only came over, it might not even completely be over here yet, but just came over last year, but it's a 2020 game that came over here last year. Uh, Nida Valir, uh, that was by Serge Leger. Uh, a great designer. Uh, he did uh, Shadows Over Camelot uh, and uh, Ad Astra. So a lot of uh, great games. Nid- Nidavalier, uh, a real fun game. This is kind of a drafting, a bidding drafting uh, tableau building game uh, for two to five players. Uh, very light to medium weight game, but it's really cool because different. Uh, you're kind of drafting your contingent of dwarves and each one of the colors, they score different ways. So as you're kind of bidding on which one of the three uh, kind of offers that are out there, depending on who gets the top uh, bid, gets the pick first, and then you put it exactly where the colors go. But again, they all score different. But this game is uh, very, very quietly a great game and uh, flew under the radar for me. I hadn't seen it, but it is on BGA. If you want to check it out again uh, as well, probably my number five game that was really just missed this list was Cubitos. That's kind of a racing game by John DeClaire and AEG. A uh, very cute, very cheeky, very good. Another family weight game, which is a big thing. Uh, as you can tell by my list, not a lot of heavy euros on my list, but uh, I'll talk about the next ones that just missed my list right now because these are all four great euros from last year that I just somehow just kind of didn't make that top five. Uh, number five, number one of them is Dominant Species Marine, uh, which is the new re implementation or kind of streamlining of Dominant Species. Uh, a great game. Uh, check that one out, Dominant Species Marine. I can't say anything not nicer than that. Praga Caput Regini. Uh, I'm pretty sure this one was a late 2020. That's why I kind of kept it off this list, but Praga, uh, boy. Really good. If you like 
brain crunchy Euro games. Praga is amazing. Speaking of brain crunchy Euro games, Bonfire, another one uh, that's a Feld. That one came out late in 2020, but it really didn't get here till 2021. So Bonfire, if you like Stefan Feld, check it out. And if you like Stefan Feld, but really it's uh, Reiner Knizia disguised as Stefan Feld because it's really a Knizia, uh, check out Witchstone. Uh, that one just missed my list because really haven't played it enough yet to make a decision, and I just got it in this year, so I kind of really couldn't make that for the last year's list. But Witchstone, uh, very cool game, very Feldish feel to a Knizia. Uh, so check that one out as well. But now real quick, uh, the BGG rankings at the end of the year, which I uh, kind of just took 20, the year 2021 and then just kind of organized them into the, uh, to, to see what their rankings are as of now, uh, the crew mission, deep sea, uh, top Cascadia, very light game, very, very, uh, wow. The hype is crazy for it. And it's just, it's pretty good, but, uh, you may like it out there. If you like, again, light games, it's a, it's a pretty solid game though. Uh, Cascadia was number two sleeping gods. There you go. Number three on there. Arc Nova, which uh, really uh, I left that off here uh, because it's really not even out here yet. I mean, it's really, uh, I think it got more of a year release. I think some people have been getting it in, but it's really, uh, that's really going to be a 2022 release there. Terraforming Mars Expedition, uh, or otherwise known as Terraforming Cards, also just missed my list. Uh, basically, Race for the Galaxy meets Terraforming Mars, which was a great game. Uh, kind of could be a good honorable mention for my list. Ankh, Gods of Egypt, another good game from last year. Destinies, Oath, Chronicles of Empire and Exile, Meadow, Hadrian's Wall, and then uh, Cubitos. Uh, it's kind of, I guess that's top 11 or 12 there. The Hadrian's Wall, probably another good uh, example of a nice heavy roll and write. But that was, those are all games uh, from BGG. That, those were the top ranked games uh, with the crew of Mission Deep Sea being the top one there. Uh, and I can't argue there at all. Just such a great game. But once again, my top five of last year, Gorinto Cora. Subastral, Seven Wonders Architects, and then Sleeping Gods being my game of the year for last year. Again, this changes constantly for me. So you ask me in a couple of weeks, uh, it may even change by then. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining me this week on Top 5 Express Board Games Edition. If you've got any questions or t- tell me what your top five of last year was, feel free to comment on this episode on Majorsplorers.com or go to the site with tons of other great podcasts and content by Steven and the rest of the Major Explorers crew. And of course, go to the Discord page and let me know uh, there what your top five of last year was. I'm Dan Dan, the board game man. You can find me at Geek Jock Dan um, and also on the Geek Jock Stars podcast, Munchkin Land podcast here on the Major Sports, where I give a twice a month, 10 to 15 minute board game news show, or as contributor to TMSPM, where I do a board game segment with Scott and Brian. I'll be back with some more top five goodness as next episode. I'm going to tell you what my top five anticipated games for 2022 are. But then, until then, grab a new board game and have some fun with family and friends. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.